Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 305 of Cyclocross Radio. On this episode, we are talking about both days of racing that just happened this past weekend in Baltimore, Maryland for Charm City Cyclocross. Exciting weekend of racing, and we're in the media pit with Zach and Michael, and we get into it all. Quickly before we get started with the episode, I want to remind you that the Wide Angle Podium and Cyclocross Radio are sponsored by Hammerhead and the Crew 2. I'm just just brass tacks here. I, I think it's an amazing computer. Been riding my bike a lot more, been relying on it. Uh, it's it's idiot proof, which is great for me. It's also fully integrated into where I date my I need my data to go, meaning Strava or Training Peaks. I just uh, open up my garage, roll my bike in there, walk in my basement, and everything's already done, already taken care of, already uploaded. It's just easy, hands off. Everything I love about that integration of doing the work and seeing the the results and the data right away. If you go to Hammerhead.io and Put the Karoo 2 into your cart and then also add a heart rate monitor. You will pay for the heart rate monitor. All you need to do is put in the code CXRADIO, C-X-R-A-D-I-O. Heart rate monitor will be on us. You pay for the Karoo 2. And uh, yeah, you get that little bonus on us. That's uh, hammerhead.io and use the code CXRADIO. Also want to tell you about the t-shirts that I have for sale. You might have seen them around Charm City this past weekend. We have two versions of the This Is Real Cyclocross weather shirt. We also have a Wout Me Worry, a Wout Van Art shirt, and also a Vanderpool Rules, Vanderpump Rules Takeoff uh, Machu Vanderpool shirt. Those are all available at CX. Hairs Distro, D-I-S-T-R-O, all one word, cxhairsdistro.com. Uh, there's also PDF versions of Skills Bills, <laughs> Skills Bills, Skills Drills and Belly Aches, a Cyclocross Primer. That's the book that Dan Tilly and I did years ago with Jeremy Powers and uh, photography by Bruce Buckley. You can pick up a PDF version of that book. Finally, check out the Heat Check. It's back. It's up on YouTube. I'm writing the script for the next one now. So hope to have that up by Thursday. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the CX Airs Bulletin. Zach's been crushing it. I say it every week. Why? Why do I say it every week? Because he's been crushing it every week. Go, uh, go subscribe to the CX Airs Bulletin. CXAirs.substack.com. All right. It's episode 305. Of Cyclocross Radio, we got Michael and Zach. We're talking about Charm City and just having a chat with your friend. And we're doing all of that right now. We are back in the media pit. And we're talking about Charm City. Great weekend of racing round three of the U.S. CX series, one of my favorite weekends in in Baltimore, Maryland, at at the Charm City Cyclocross. But before we do that, 
Golf, Bodie, any any tea times out there? No tea times, Bill. I was I was gravel racing. I told like I told you. Whoa, oh. not not giving up okay. cycling. I'm squeezing in golf where I can. Uh, yeah, I did a 300 mile gravel race, but it was a relay. There was four of us. I rode for 50 miles. Um, but uh, yeah, it was uh, that was quite an experience. I wore my first Camelback. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. How long was this? It was 300 miles. How many people were there? Four. How many miles did you do? 50. <laughs> hey, you're the mathematician, Zach. Do, the, do that <laughs> math for me. <laughs> was, 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 our, was our boy pulling his weight? I'll tell you this. No, I'll, I'll say this. Um, one guy started at midnight, and he rode till 3 a.m., and then a couple guys swapped stages and then my i started at 9 55 um in indiana indianola mississippi and i rode to the delta national forest it's 55 miles the longest stage 92 degrees um on a gravel bike where the first 23 miles were pavement um out in the exposed delta with no shade to be seen i have never gone this hard i did a 175 average heart rate for three hours um so i was fully cracked when i got to pass off my transponder to my buddy and then i said to the guy who started the day the day i said hey do you want to do the last 17 miles because i think i'm done and he said sure enough i'm feeling good i napped in your car i'm ready to go so yeah so what do you do though when you're not riding do you just go to the next checkpoint and y'all just throw down the throw out the camping chairs and hang out have some beer just chill and enjoy yourselves then when you have four beers because you've been waiting for four hours you're like oh shoot i gotta go ride 55 miles in a blazing hot uh swamp so i mean the hardest part of this whole event was the logistics planning between four people. Also, mind you, picking up one of our riders in Memphis the night of the race, uh, driving from New Orleans. I did a thousand miles in my car this this weekend. Um, there are some folks. There's another New Orleans team. They they were drinking beers at the start and they were consuming beverages the entire time. And and um, I think that's one way of doing it. You you get extra exhausted you might be a little more worse for wear at the end um but yeah sometimes you're sitting sometimes you're sleeping in a hotel um it's 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 i don't know i feel like i've checked that box i'm done with that and uh, i can move on from <laughs> relay gravel racing so uh Unbound 200 up next or 300 XL. I mean, now that you've done these, you know, close to 300 mile race. If there's a relay version, I'm interested. Yes. <laughs> and I can ride 50 miles. 55. 55. Zach, I don't have to ask you what you were doing uh, this past weekend because I know exactly what you were doing. You were, uh, you were in Baltimore. And uh, I yes. do have a bit though that I want to want to share. Please. So, uh, I stayed with my, my brother, my brother lives in DC and, uh, Bill came and rolled over and picked me up and we drove together last year. I didn't get to go because my brother got sick. Um, but like we went out on Friday, it was nice. Got to hang out with my brother and he's like, we're going to the Chicago bar. And I was like, this is great. We're from Chicago, two brothers, you know, from the suburbs going to the Chicago bar. They have Malort. Uh, they have Chicago style hot dogs. I'm like, all right, it's called Ivy and Coney. Like, great. Ivy. Wrigley Field. 
Tony? What? That's New York. So we roll in, pull up the menu, and it's like Coney dogs and Chicago-style hot dogs. Mind you, we got shots of Malort. But I was like, how is this a Chicago bar? The best part. I'm like, the pizza here is great. You got to get the pizza. Detroit-style pizza. What the hell? It's also a Michigan bar, which is just like, what? I'm like, how is this the Chicago bar? There's only one third. One third of this experience is Chicago-related. I don't get it. So if there's any DC folks and you want to chime in, explain this to me. Uh, but it was nice. Uh, we got the Detroit style pizza and some alert shots. Zach, how deep is your love for Baltimore now that you've been there? I like Baltimore again. Okay. Yeah, it's a good place. Uh, I mean, I you know uh, Jose B. Is it better than the Wild Wild West? You know. <laughs> Was this a Drew? Was this a Will Smith reference? No, that was the, that was a yeah. No, that's a bad Drew Hill reference. Anyway, sorry to derail it. <laughs> Just letting you hang out there. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, so I learned um, that uh, Druid Hill. They say Drew Hill in Baltimore. I finally made the connection about the band. Bill, I believe you had educated me on this probably last year on the same exact podcast, but it finally clicked this time. And so I have been digging into the Drew Hill archives. More, I think Cisco solo artist, thong song, that was the big one that came out when I was in high school. So it's kind of more of my my jam, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, next year we got to get you out there so you can actually see it in person. You can go experience Druid Hill Park and all of the surrounding areas. It's um, it's actually you know, I mean, it's it's a city. There are uh, beautiful parts of it. There's parts that are still you know struggling, like any other other city. But I don't think that should be a reason to not not come and visit. Uh, so. Some interesting racing going on at at, at this this one. I, I, um, boy, uh, how, how do we approach this? Because this is this is week three now of me having to explain that we love all of the races that go that happen. Yet uh, the elite women's field again. I, I think there there is stuff to talk about here, but you know, I mean. No spoilers, I think, for anyone. Well, we're spoiling every race, but no spoilers for the women's elite races. Uh, Magalie Rochette, Zach Headline, continues to be on a trademark different level. That is true. I'm curious if there's anyone who doesn't watch the races, stays off social media, and tunes in to the media pit to find out who won the race. Like, if you are that person, please reach out to me, slide into my DMs, I'm sorry. or hit us up. Sixersbulletin at gmail.com and let us know because I would just be so impressed if that is you. Yeah, Magalie Rochelle. If, you, if, you, if you're that person, though, hang on. If you're that person, please go to CX Hairs Bulletin and subscribe because the results will be emailed to you right after they happen by Zach in the press room and you can, you're, you're, you're covered. And then you don't have to wonder who's won or lost. Thank you, Bodie. I appreciate that. And you get a cute puppy. <laughs> Megalie Rochette has been riding pretty well. I mean, I think, you know, the, her progression, we saw the first weekend she didn't know where she was at. I think maybe she had an idea of where she was at, but she wanted to test it out and see where her fitness was at. And we're like, yeah, it's pretty good. 
uh, doing pretty well. Uh, last weekend, she had to work a little bit. Uh, I think, you know, Sunday, um, she definitely had to overcome some adversity and still made up a pretty sizable gap that she was, you know, she gave up almost a minute in mechanicals and crashes. Um, and yeah, this weekend coming out, I, I will say if there is, if there is one storyline for the Magli Rochette, uh, uh, bill, and you'll remember this from 2021, it's, it's the heat. And also, you know, coming into this race, she was one in five with, you know, in terms of wins, like she had only won once at charm city coming into this race. So those I think are two pieces that are worth discussing that there's some demons uh, at Druid Hill Park that Megaly Rochette had to exorcise this weekend. I think that's actually a good place to actually look backwards with her career just for a second. I'm, I'm going through this. This She hasn't had this kind of start. I mean, you look at her uh, record this year, six races, she's run the table. Just if you look at Cyclocross 24 just ones all the way down. And I was looking back to see when has she come close to that before? Cause we think of her coming and racing in these U S races early on and, and just winning everything, but it's not really always the case. So yeah, if you go back to the 1920, 2019, 2020, I think that's the, the closest she's come here. So my question for you all is actually my question for Bodie is, the two th- despite her getting in the first we're going first six races first six races 2019 2020 five wins one fifth place however one world cup win in there as well better than six straight wins yes 100% easy question right yeah yeah i mean i think that was i mean i think it's I was thinking the same thing, and I'm kind of glad you wanted to look back, Bill, because I was wondering, too, like, you kind of forget she had these sort of years where she had a lot of issues, looking at the starts of her seasons, um, not as strong. And I, I, just, I just think that the World Cup, obviously, we have the Europeans coming over, the caliber of racing, while it's high in the States, it's higher when, the, when those Euros are here. And that sort of big World Cup win, I feel like that kind of, like, vaulted her higher into this sort of like worldwide recognition of cross racers. And that was a big step. Um, and so while she's look, nothing to sneeze at these six victories, she's done it in a few different ways, different conditions, like you said, overcoming charm city, which has been a puzzle for her. Not as big as that, that one. Cause, cause we love the wide angle podium too. a fifth solid in the world cup. Well, and even if we talk about that fifth place, Zach, that's that's the mud year, right? I mean, that's that's one of the classic World Cups at Waterloo, the one that she came in fifth place. She won Jingle Cross. That's Katarina Nash yes. beating Yolanda Neff, Evie Richards chasing her down in third place, Clara Hansinger in fourth place, and then Magley in fifth place. That was, for me at least, and I was you know working with, Katarina at the time so it was an amazing race but still just like one of the most memorable I think uh women's Waterloo World Cups that big a question is that an idea for a story of let's do a power ranking of the World Cups let's do a top 10 of the U.S. World Cup bulletin story idea I think this will be fun uh not for now but bulletin material I love it thanks thanks guys Uh, well and it's also it's um I think that 
we're looking we're looking at the possibility in the future of not having World Cups again. I think if we look back at the World Cup races that we had, you know, even with Fayetteville with that mud race to all of the Jingle Cross races to the uh, Cross Vegas races to the Waterloo races, I, I think we're pretty lucky. We have a lot of races that we can look at that were just like standout, amazing races. Do you add worlds in there? Or is this just World I think Cups? just World Cups. Um, I think that's good. I think there's enough material to pull from. Yeah, I, to Bodie's point, uh, I think one of those races that was really good was the the Jingle Cross World Cup, which uh, I, I'm working on a story on. It'll probably be out in November, knowing the way things are going. But I talked to Magley about that, and she said that that race was huge for her, Bodie, because it got her recognition from other the Europeans. They were like, respect. And I think it really changed things, because she was good. You know, but one of those situations, um, which Bill, I think you talked about with like Strohmeyer, uh, with his sixth place, it's like you get that good result on the world stage and like the respect comes. And then we saw what she did in, in 2021. So I think it was all kind of kind of part of that puzzle and a very like, yeah, that period huge for her. It'd be interesting to kind of think, you know, looking back at Magley's uh, career, you know, what is the best season and just briefly going back, I think it, you know, I think 1920 had to be that one where she was so consistent, um, you know, pretty good. The year that she got, where was she? Val de Soleil. um, She got third in in 21, 22. She had a strong season that as well. So yeah, that's, I I, I like this idea, Zach, of your bulletin, the best, the top, American World Cups, and now I wanted to go back and look at, you know, ranking Magalie's, like, seasons as well. Because uh, there's some fun races in there. I, I think 21-22. I think if you ask her, I will bet that that's the one that she's the most proud of, because she did, again, she had some early success in the U.S. and the USCX races, but, you know, you're looking at second place at Base on Song, you're looking at third place yeah. at Valdezol, you just some, you know, really high-end results against everyone. And that's, you know, as much as, as much as we love these races here, that's, that's, that's still the, that's still the gold standard. When you have everybody showing up for a world cup in Europe, then you can perform there. Then that's, that's just different level. So some of the history for charm city, she raced it in 2018. I think she finished second and third. Katie Keogh won both days that year no i'm sorry 2017 2017 then 2018 was the year of ellen noble so ellen noble beat her twice that was when ellen noble won like eight races in a row uh this was early in the season before rochette finally won pan ams up in ontario and then in 2021 on day one kind of really had the the heat issues kind of melted down in the heat a grid battle against claire hansinger there was that kind of like the little side hill thing that she slipped out on bill i think you were there johnny on the spot as you always are and you got the photo uh that we had for the bulletin story and so then she won i think on sunday uh at charm city so that was kind of the the one win i think was day two in 2021 so a little bit of demons um you know but at the same time i think we were talking for that story like you know these other riders like you know, Ellen, no, the, the caliber that she was racing against was super high too, right? Like Katie Keogh was podiumed in one World Cups. Like Ellen Noble podiumed in 
at World Cups and European races. And so, you know, uh, some tough competition. Claire Hansinger, we've seen what she did. Um, so also some pretty stiff competition. But, you know, that's kind of what she's up against. I think one of the storylines. Um, she was also telling me that she spent... This is very... I found this very interesting. She got a sauna. Spent a lot of time in the sauna this summer. Preparing literally for Charm City, it seems like. Uh, so, you know, she added some heat adaptation training, uh, to her, to her regimen. And she saw she told me both days that she felt like it's really been paying dividends for her. And, uh, you know, Bill, it was, it wasn't that hot on Saturday, but it was pretty, I was sweating on Sunday. It was like humid. Sunday was surprising. Cause it was only Bodie or laugh at this. It was, you know, it was hot for us. It was like low eighties, uh, but it was, it was super humid and he's, he's just smirking. No, but uh, I, I get that humidity. Yes. I mean, we've, I've had days here. It, the, the weather is broke, but yeah, when it's like that humid, oof, yeah, it's bad. So well, it's also, we were coming from just these beautiful days of just being in like the high sixties and low seventies. Oh. It was just like so great. And then the, you know, the sun just came out, which was nice, but not if you're, putting in a full full on 50 minute to hour effort uh but that's interesting with the sauna because i i think i wonder if the it seems to be like a canadian trend now especially for those who are doing these long summer or hot weather races in in the u.s because haley smith and andrew les uh les also uh, installed a sauna this year and have been spending a lot of time in it. What are the, what how are you how are you training with the sauna? You're just like you're just sitting in it for hours? Yeah. I don't know how long they go in there. Right. I, I don't know if there's their use of it is necessarily heat apt- adaptation. I think there's some other physiological um advantages to it that I, I am not the person to ask, but yeah. I just I just okay. think it's funny. That's the that's the Canadian cycling athlete trend now. You know, the altitude tents out, saunas in. So Bodie, I don't know, you know, talking about these races, I don't know if this is gonna work and we can just stop when it doesn't. But you were you were an early you have may have coined the term the couscous. I feel like you were you were kinda all over that. Uh, yes, I 100% coined that term. Thank you very much. Okay. Yes. I, people don't like it because they say, is, you know, coos doesn't rhyme with bus, but whatever. But it looks great in writing. Perfect in writing. But in Europe, it is the autobus. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And that's when, that's where he's doing his pulling. That's where he's taking people on rides. So, Zach. Okay, uh, and ahead, also, you recently, as of this weekend, you did a gravel race. So you understand the intricacies of gra- gravel racing strategy. Um, and so we have Megley Rochette, and she just likes to start really fast and kind of go really hard. And I, I think we might have a situation. You know, if I'm a rider, if I'm a young rider looking at, um, you know, getting a nice toe, uh, perhaps, you know, moving, getting a gap or whatever, I'm looking at that wheel and that. You know, that Canyon uh, in-flight wheel, whatever wheel she's running, I have no idea. Sorry, Megaly, I have no idea. Um, that's looking pretty good to me. Yeah, I mean, this classic classic gravel strategy from Sydney McGill, who, by the way, she needs a nickname. We need a nickname for Sydney. I was brainstorming with McGill and in and, and her fast starts. But yeah, she, <laughs> as Bill said, she's doing an amazing pro fade. You know, you just go out hot, you get on Mag's wheel, and then you try and hold it. And if you look at the stonks for Sydney McGill, they're going up. 
so good good job sydney i'm i'm enjoying watching her sort of as we said magley has been tremendous this season and sydney's trying something right you got you got to throw something at it um you're probably going to get popped at some point but if you don't try you know you'll never know so she did have some competition though on 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 saturday uh the the boy i was gonna say iron woman what's uh, i i I don't i carolyn likes to tell us her age every time you talk to her so i feel like she brings on these these analogies yet i still think that uh we have to give carolyn many her 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 due respect for still being able to still being able to see i'm buying in i'm buying into her propaganda <laughs> you are you are i mean she will tell you at every moment there's been a lot of that too because i can tell you that Magalie rochette will quickly remind you that she turned 30 this year so curtis tried to pull that on me and he was like 28 i was like dude you're only 28 like don't even don't even bring that he's gonna be like i'm racing age 30 next year i'm like stop so just because you have U23 kids in there with you. <laughs> but yeah, so... Uh, they make everybody older. It's true, though. The juniors do. So Sydney did... They, they actually... That was a nice nice battle. I mean, she ended up not being able to hold off Carolyn on uh, Saturday. But that, you know, once Magley left the building, that was actually a nice uh, battle that those two had. I think... Um, oh, man, you probably know better than I do, Zach. I think it was like with... Two or three laps to go that Carolyn caught her. Not till the bell lap, actually. Not till the bell I lap. I know. Okay, so, it was so she was late. close. Yeah. And then actually she couldn't close the last little gap. And it was like, will she, won't she? Made the catch right by the, the barriers, tent row. And then, you know, the the long climb. I, I think we need to talk about this climb. And Bodie was talking about how it looks kind of flat <laughs> on the TV. And so on, on Saturday is long. It's not that steep till the end, uh, but I can tell you the part that the off camera is on is really steep and it really kicks up because you're walking over there and maybe if you're like, didn't time it right, you're kind of jogging at the end to try to get in your photo spot and you get to the top and you're just like, oh dear God, this is, this is steep. Uh, you know, so it was, it's like a legitimate feature. And I think we saw, especially in the women's race, it was a decisive feature where riders who were stronger on the climb could make attacks. Kind of on Saturday, it was kind of like it went up, and then it actually had like a, a false downhill, and then it really kicked up. So that's kind of where Mani made her attack. That's where Rochette, you know, kind of made her move on McGill. But, you know, don't let things fool you. <laughs> that's a hard climb. And if you're doing it nine times, seven times like these riders are, I th- really think it starts to, starts to take its toll. Well, and the, the other thing that you don't take in consideration, and this year... If you've seen Charm City in the past, they've always the the Mansion Hill off camber is always the thing that people talk to. And I think when I did my GCN course preview with Andrew, he was talking about how it looks imposing, but the actual off camber, traditional off camber itself, if you ride it smoothly, is actually a place where you can recover because there's only so much you can do. A lot of the place you're you know you're kind of like pushing and coasting because you, you can't take too many full pedal strokes without a pedal strike. So that, that it, it kind of turns off once you get there. But like Zach was saying, it's the approach up to there. And then this year they put in their little pro only section, which turned into a run. I think that was the, everybody was sessioning it up on 
Saturday morning. They actually didn't get really an opportunity to do it on Friday and, and quickly realized that if you just stay high, get off your bike, stay high, it's much easier and quicker as a run. But what that would do is that once you came and looped back around and got to the second stretch, they go back up the hill and across the mansion hill off camber again. That's new. Like th- that hasn't been done in the past. And that was, a, I think, a quirk that people weren't as expecting as much and not the leaders. But if you go back four, five, six, seven, ten spots, you would have people dismounting and then to remount going in that direction you're remounting high side and it's a struggle and it is so steep that there were people having difficulty getting back on their bikes to that point to the point that they almost had to ride it run it all the way across and then get back on their bike when they could turn left and head downhill so kudos to chris hour and his team to have this course that i think they have dialed in a really nice track that works year to year but still finding some quirks in it and f- finding some different little little angles and uh, things to throw at riders that are new to sort of break it up and make something different. And that was that was cool that they did that this year. I just want to say, Bill, I was watching day one and I got inspired by you. And, you know, in the men's race, a lot of Vermeer sheen going on. Loris was riding it, brought out the timer one lap, Curtis White was one second faster than Loris uh, running that, and I, I was Amazing. I was surprised. I, I honestly, th- but you could see that. Yeah, you you ride down, but you have to go so slow to get on the turn that once you go back up, you have no momentum, and you're really cranking on the pedals to get up over that rise. While if you're running, you're just keeping the same speed. So it. That story makes my heart full. That you you went for the stopwatch. I, I love did. it. I that did. is so great. Let me. I, I have you. to like. I'm gonna like just. You'll love this too. I let's see. Screen. Oh. No, no, I got you. Yeah. Yep. A little time in it. Yep. <laughs> so awesome. Good job. So for Karen Lemon either, Bill, I think that's a great I it, it the Iron Woman, because she does like every race. Like she if there's a race to to be done, she'll do it. And she was really feeling under the weather. You know, I talked to her before the race and she had some sort of like lung issue and you know, she was coughing or whatever. And she's like, you know, it's like she's like, one, I you know, there's the series overall payout and there's money, but she's like, you know, it's my job to be here. Like they're putting on this series. I can go. I think other riders who are in I don't know, who aren't the Iron Woman. You know, if they're younger, if they have aspirations for the World Cups and stuff like that, I think they probably would have not raced this weekend. But she's like, I'm here. I'm here to support Lauren. I'm doing this team. They're doing the series. I'm racing. And she did. And, you know, I, she battled her way back. She missed her pedal at the start. Uh, she said that, uh, worth watching, that she has an all or nothing approach to starting. Either she takes the whole shot or she's like way back and lo and behold, she took the whole shot on Sunday. So it was true. I was like, you are a hundred percent correct. It's either whole shot or I missed my pedal and I'm in 15th place. Important question, Zach, that maybe you'll get to ask her. Have we figured out why she wear runs two different shoes other than style? I think you answered your question. Okay. All right. That, that makes sense. She's got the, she's got a lot of like flair going on. So the blue and the white shoe is, is noticeable. We're talking about it. 
Uh, I don't know what kind of shoe she's wearing. I'm assuming it's Shimano, but uh, good job, Caroline. Because I'm talking about your shoes. I like them. She also, on Sunday, had like this like flashy rainbow helmet and I was taking photos of it at the start line. She's like, there's a story there. And I forgot to ask her the story. So <laughs> I, I forgot what the story of the, the new helmet is. Oh, I, I think it's her pride helmet that she uh, made. And then I, 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 we would be remiss if we did not mention that Ben Frederick also wears two different color shoes. So oh. Ben, you don't have to leave the comment where I, I got you. I got you covered. Yeah, he has a purple and a white shoe that he wears. I've missed that. And sick. All right. I'll look for that. So another cool aspect, uh, you know, folks riding together. It's funny. I asked I asked Magali. I was like, you know, you because they, they share a tent. So Magali isn't associated with the Cervello Orange Living team, but they're, you know, they're doing her service course stuff and she's been kind of integrated with them. And if you go to their tent, she's hanging out there with Sydney and Kaya and Jules and Chris McGovern and all those folks. And I was like, you know, any thoughts of like maybe doing Sydney a solid and like towing her a little bit longer, you know, maybe like lap four or whatever. She's like, yeah, no gifts. We don't do that. And I think you saw on Sunday that Sydney, I think is really benefiting from this. Uh, So she made it a lap and a half in the first race and she made two and a half laps the next day, which would be progress. Um, but she was more aggressive on Sunday. I think like she was, you know, taking over the lead and, uh, just, you know, more aggressive, mixing it up, pushing the pace and really pushing herself. And, uh, that was good to see because I think this is an opportunity for her. She's not going to beat Magali Rochette anytime soon, but to ride with her and get that experience of riding at the limit and what it's like to ride with a, you know, truly an excellent world-class rider, I think will only benefit her if she's able to keep doing that in these domestic races. So, you know, works in terms of getting up to second, but also works as like a training technique, I think. In the day one on Saturday, we definitely had a, a, a battle. You know, I think the closest battle of the race was fifth, sixth, and seventh, right? You had Kaya Musgrave actually showing she was the better of Emily Shields, Lauren Zerner on that day, little sprint to the finish for those Three, which which was good to see Taylor Cook White and her cantilever breaks back back in it racing. Bodie confirmed, even though he had to tell everybody over and over again riding that track. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not a Richard Sachs bike. <laughs> uh, any anything else uh, about day one or even even day two of the women's race? Anything else we need to touch on? Well, Bill, you'll be happy to you'll be happy to know this. So I was uh, long days. <laughs> long days. I was finishing up the, the elite women's race report on Sunday morning and I'm looking at my photos of the sprint, you know, again, awesome, great result from Kai Musgrave. Love to see it. You know, again, she's first year U23 junior defending junior national champ. And I'm looking at my photos and I was like, Oh, this is interesting. She's on the drops. And then right behind her was Emily Shields on the tops in walks Emily Shields. And I was like, Hey, Emily, you gotta come over here. We need to talk. And she was like, I'm not a sprinter. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't do sprints. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm going to have to mention it on the, on the podcast just because I noticed that you were on the tops and you didn't win the sprint. So another point for team, team drops in that, uh, that great. It was. It truly was an awesome battle. Taylor Cook-White was in there. The four of them were together. It was or, uh, Lauren Zerner, I think, was up there at some point. Really awesome, great battle um, to see those riders fighting it out. And it was definitely kind of 
yeah, you wish you could have more footage of that on the, on the live stream because it was really the one to watch. Zach, I just want to give you a quick shout out reading your reports. I love the through the stairs shot um, of, I think that's of Kaya. And I don't think I've seen that angle at Charm before. So kudos to you, man, finding a new fun angle. Uh, and I just it told a pretty good story. I don't know how it happened. I've never been able, the first year I went, I couldn't do the top of the flyover. It just looked like cell phone photos. Like I couldn't find a way to make it work. Uh, and I was just like, I don't know how I, th- I thought of it. I had no idea. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, day two, one uh, race worth mentioning before we move on to the men. Mia Asseltine, who's been racing for the competitive edge racing comp edge team. Great result for her, top 10. And I think that we'll be seeing more of her as she kind of integrates herself into that, into that field. So that, that was one worth noting, uh, in the, in the junior fields, the Sigma team from Canada on the women's side seems to have taken over those junior races. Uh, Raphael Carrier, I can't say it. I'm sorry. She even pronounced it for me. Uh, one, one, both days. Uh, it's, it's actually, it's a team that is, managed by Matisse Boyer, who is the mechanic for Caleb Swartz. So he travels with uh, Caleb, but then he's also has this uh, junior and U23 team that he's, he's been bringing to these races. So it's really, it's been, it's been nice to have those athletes uh, coming down and racing and really uh, upping, upping the competition, especially in that juniors, junior women's race. I think they have two or three riders who they may have finished one and two on day two or one and three. I think, uh, our CXD Trek team had some folks in there too. Alyssa Sarkasov was definitely up there on the podium as well, but that that's been good. And then on the, uh, men's side, David Thompson, who's just been just crushing these, these races. You know, I mean, just a, one that you will be seeing more of, Bodie signed for the uh, uh, AG2R U19 team. So he's going to be uh, on the road uh, in in Europe, but he's he's still racing cyclocross, still very good at it, and was able to get wins, I believe, in every junior race up until this one. He didn't. It was a scheduled scheduled break this weekend, oh, which okay. uh, opened up the opportunity for some other riders, uh, Miles Mattern, who's been trying to figure out David uh, for those <laughs> first four races has now had an opportunity just to not have to worry about that component and go race his own race and, and looked amazing on Saturday, won that. Looked amazing on Sunday, too. Had a great battle from Henry Coote, who's another Comp Edge racer, and uh, they, they, they had a really exciting race on Sunday. Henry was able to get the better of miles on that one and take that win. So really, really good junior racing out there. It's it's exciting to see the the level of talent, and it's going to be fun to see them when they when they move up through the ranks. Should we move on to the men's side? And we had we had some doozies. I don't know. I mean, you know, we did. I I, I will admit that even this one, and I always check with Zach because he writes his reports and I know that Bodie watched it on TV and I'm like, all right, let's, let's actually try to remember what happened each day. (laughs) I think, I think we got it sorted now. So let's, uh, let's talk about Saturday. That's what, 
what do we have going into this this race? All all of our familiar faces that we've seen in the first two rounds of the USCX. We got Loris and Anton and Vincent, and then we had Curtis and Strohmeyer. It's it's really been those five, right? I mean, that's that's kind of the group that we've been talking about and the group that's been there at the end. Anybody else who's really kind of tried to sneak in there that I'm I'm leaving out? I mean, you're getting you're getting happy fun ball, Scott, up in the mix early, making it, you know, taking it to the Euros from the beginning. You know, um, that's a great dimension because Scott, you know, it's funny to say it's a. Uh, not you know just the first day of October that we're racing on and that he somehow got a late start to the cyclocross season which is uh comical to even say but just seeing him from Rochester until this week I haven't talked to him I may be just making this up but from what I'm looking at it looks like he's working his way into the season and it's it's I think that moving forward he's going to continue to progress and we're going to see him getting into that mix so Saturday's race, yeah, it definitely had, uh, since we're just all in on gravel, it had a strong gravel race vibe. I mean, you had this big lead group of 11, and then it was eight. It's huge. And it was five. And it was two. And it went back up to three, and that's where it stayed for the, the rest of the race. And we got another uh, last lap thriller. I guess the, the one that I want to talk about, so I think the story you know, has been Anton Ferdinanda came over uh, Ferdinand, right? We we have a we have a clarification, Bill, on pronunciation corner. I, I believe so. I believe it just ends at the D, okay. like the uh, like the band Ferdinand. Um, so yeah, so he came over. I mean, I think that he was putting a lot of pressure on himself to get a win. And I chatted with him and his friend slash mechanic before Sunday's race, and he was getting a lot of pressure too from the team. I think the team really want. They're like, "We're sending you over here, dude. <laughs> we need you to win. You're you know you're." probably the strongest guy maybe the one of the two i would say um you know in this field um but it sounded like uh he was really struggling to adapt to the travel and getting settled in the u.s uh and yeah he went to a baseball game that was he took in the good old american pastime he got to baltimore a little bit early went and saw the orioles i don't know if they're good this year are they good i should have looked that up i'm sure someone can chime in and let us know um, so yeah, love to see it. And I think he was just a little bit more settled, um, for Saturday's race. And it seems like he had a little bit better of a plan of what he, what he wanted to do. So just, just to back up a second, what you're telling me, Zach, is that when you go to a different country and you're not really sure about where you're going to stay or how the travel's going to work and what your accommodations are going to look like, or maybe where the laundry's done and all of these things, may you may be a really strong racer and that may actually affect your racing is this what you're telling me yes yeah i mean he is so affected he's he's been on the podium every time he's raced i will also note the orioles have the second best record in baseball so he picked a great team to go see play baseball you're always just killing my premise here sorry bill i know where you're going but i i i guess uh, yes, it is hard to go across the pond and get in a new environment. And and I, I guess I keep hearing this from the announcers and it's like this this idea that he expects to win. It's like, OK, like why? Because you're I mean, like 
good racers, sure, but there are there's good competition in the states, and so like I I, I I'm I mean, you know he's trying hard and he's super strong, but like we've learned there are no gifts in cycling, and you know you're gonna have to earn that. You're gonna have to like you're gonna have to not take the illegal feed. You're gonna have to not let Vincent come back. Um, you're gonna not have to slide out, uh, chasing back. So I mean, sorry, that just that was just I want to say that you know about Anton. I'm glad you did. No need to apologize. You know, he he also had Loris and him having a very long conversation in Roanoke during one lap. It uh, you know, so a lot going on with with uh, the inside of this racing that we may not know actually what's going on. <laughs> So, Zach. Yeah. So I was was talking with uh, Curtis White. Um, and we're talking about you know. There's been this question of like th- we've had this gaping lack of a dangler. You know, Jamie Driscoll is in the Hall of Fame of. You know what? If there was an American Cyclocross Hall of Fame, I'd put him in as being the dangler and be like, this is this is like the the platonic ideal of the dangler. But and and Curtis was trying to deny that he's that guy, but like the evidence is there. I, 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 I it, right now, like, you know, and he'll tell you that like his snap isn't there. I think we've seen that, but right now he is just fulfilling. He's really stepping into that Jamie Driscoll role. Although to be fair, he has the stars and stripes, but like, you know, he missed the move again, but then he just dieseled his way back into the mix and was frankly a threat to win. So that's, again, the thing with the dangler. It's not just the guy who's dangling off the back. It's the guy who everyone is scared of because they are good enough to win the race. They're strong. They may be the strongest person in the field if it was like a time trial. Dangles back on and, you know, gets back in the mix. And I, if you guys remember, like a lot of ta- like tactics are everything that we've been talking about. And so Curtis had this situation where he needed to figure out how to win. You know, he attacks, he gets kind of popped off a little bit at the barriers, goes to Mansion Hill and he attacks and he wanted, he was hoping both him and Andrew actually were hoping that they would drop uh, Anton and they didn't, Uh, but you know, gets to the top of the hill first, gets through the off camber first, back down. So midway through the lap, Curtis White finds himself on the front of the race. And, you know, Bill, you've seen so many races uh, there. There's like, only a few points really after pit two to attack, you know, right? Like there's, there's a finish before the, there's not that much space to, to win that race in the back. No. And with Curtis too, I, and I was even kidding with it uh, about it in, in our post-race interview. I'm like, it's the worst kept secret in charm city cyclocross that Curtis white is going to attack during what I, uh, called Curtis White Boulevard where those amazing cranes were set up. It's like he comes up that little hill after the barriers and gets a head of steam on the downhill and it's just like I I would love to know how many watts and how fast he's actually going but it's just head down all out I would say for the majority of the the laps that he was in that lead group because you're absolutely right. You want to, you could go finish before the finish before the finish, it could be as far as first one to the top of that off camber on Mansion Hill. And you're still two and a half minutes from the from the finish at that point with a lot of turns and a lot of other things that could happen. But if you get a gap there, it's just over. And that's one of the opportunities. And, and you're absolutely right. Call it local knowledge. Call it whatever you want. I mean, Vinny knows too. 
that's 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 the place you want to be first. You want to be able to dictate the race from that point on. And Curtis Curtis was giving it everything he got to to get into that position. Yeah. So one thing too about Charm City is a lot of it, as Stephen Hyde would say, it's tweet. It's very tweet in terms of how they stake it. I mean, three meters. They're you know they've got a three meter stick. I don't know if those exist or three meter sticks, and they're they're taping it that narrow. Yeah. They they actually have a rope. Okay. All right. Piece of string. Okay. Um, but so this has got super argy bargy. So like there's just not that many places to pass. There is the big swooping section before that kind of like side hill chicane uh thing, I think is really the only place to attack. But you know, Fernand was like <laughs> he used some choice swear words. He felt he was in trouble that whole that last lap, but there was some great argy bargy racing classic, like Strohmeyer tries to take an outside line on Ferdinand cuts him off, denies that Ferdinand takes an inside line that Curtis kind of left open. And it looked like almost that his front wheel got stuck in Curtis's rear through Axel. Yeah. It's crazy. I'm actually just, I was rewatching that now because that moment is insane. Yeah, he tries to take the inside. I don't think Curtis actually left it in open. That's the thing. He he tries to, uh, Anton tries to stick his front wheel where maybe it doesn't belong, gets kind of caught up in Curtis's rear and they like shoulder check each other. Some good East Coast racing. Yeah, and Curtis said he loved it, but it, you know, it was still, you had to win the sprint before the sprint, the finish before the finish. And I, I just want to say to everyone who's giving me credit for that, please stop. That was a bill concept long before. I just write about it and have adopted it. But like most things, media pit related, not my thing. So all credit to Bill Shiken, uh for that. But Anton passed him. We, we lost it. Unfortunately, they showed a replay. It was like, why are you showing a replay with a minute left? Like, I know you have cool toys. <laughs> I know you have cool replay toys, but like we missed the move. Somewhere in there, a move happened. Yeah, and that, and that was, that's kind of as much as we want to see sprints at the end of Charm City, that's like nine times out of ten, that's what happens, right? I mean, he, he got that gap and uh, came around that corner. It is always dramatic. I mean, when we're there shooting, when all the, the fans line up on, on the, the side of the course, it is this cool thing. Cause it is, it's, it's at the bottom of a hill and you just see them make the turn and it's kind of a crapshoot. Who's going to be the person who comes out there. You get, what we get is we get to see them go by pit two. If you're standing on the finish line and you, you have good eyes, you can see just a little snippet, just a little corner of the entrance to pit two. So you can sort of see the heads go by there. So you kind of know what's going on, but there, there's still a lot to do between pit two and that flyover. There's that whole that off-camber section. But as it turns out, Anton was able to make this move that we can just talk about without really knowing so it's like anything else on this podcast and uh he he came out there ahead and had the gap and was able to celebrate and i think and and uh had a big sigh of relief that he finally got that win and he was satisfied and hopefully his team was happy but then you know we i i like to talk about how you can't come around uh in a sprint at charm city and i don't i i felt like well, Strohmeyer came around Curtis and and had a bike throw and and got second place from him. And I I I 
I think giving Curtis the benefit of the doubt, I think he was kind of in a position where in it to win it, you know, and not as concerned. He was going all out to try to win this once it wasn't there. I think he kind of let off the gas a little bit. That gave the opportunity for Strohmeyer to come through, but all credit to Andrew, who was just going full gas all the way up there, didn't care. I think he was trying actually, similar to Roanoke, where he got caught behind and lost the sprint for third. Here he's almost like having to work his way around Curtis, thinking, maybe I still got a shot. I'm going for the line against Ferdinand, and and ended up not being that far behind him. You know, in his, you got to sprint it out, Bodie. I know you're shaking your head, but you don't know. <laughs> no, I no, I'm saying like Anton, like almost celebrating too early. Okay, I, I thought you were saying he didn't have a chance. No, no, no. I'm saying Andrew is a gamer and he's going and once again the hubris of Anton uh he he got it though he got the win um but just just sitting up maybe a bit too early celebrating Zach I'm looking at your photo I I'm very curious what Anton is doing with his fingers it's like almost like an x maybe it's an a maybe he's doing like an a for Anton um he's 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 flashing belgian signs um, but yeah, Stro Stro is at the finish line. Was not the finish line. <laughs> it was three feet in front. And Strohmeyer, uh, big dig is going to win it. So yeah, hell of a finish. That's good. Good race in America. Good stream. Can I say? I'll once again give a shout out. Um, good stream. If it's if it's sunny and it's not wet. The drone comes into play really well. A lot of open space in Charm City allows that drone to really to show us the course. Um, which, and I, I just have to note that two things that immediately popped up. I've never seen a course so burnt in on day one already. Um, the ditch is, I guess, very dry in 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 Baltimore, and the the perfect like line of power washers all alone, clean and tidy. Not a single one of them being used. The mechanics just, I don't know, playing Pokemon or something. They're just like hanging out. Like, what do they got to do today? Just thought. Well, not only is it burned in perfectly. If you go to Google Maps right now, it's burned in perfectly on Google Maps as well. You can see. Whoa, that's cool. Of course. I wanted to read, though, about the sprint. I think there were some some good quotes. Uh, Stromar was talking about it and, you know, he finished with, I don't know, maybe people look at me and think, oh, he's small and he can't sprint, so I don't have to worry. I'll use that to my advantage. Uh, And I guess Curtis was talking about, you know, how hard it was to come around to sprint. Apparently, he did it to carry one year. Um, So he... I heard him actually talking to Strohmeyer about this after the race. Um, but he said, hats off to Strohmeyer coming around the sprint. I was joking with him. There are very few people, uh, very few times people come around me in a sprint. And even fewer times someone comes around a leader in a sprint. I did to carry one year. And now Strohmeyer did it to me. I told him, welcome to the club. So, I don't know. Kind of cool quotes. I like the Strohmeyer quote. <laughs> it's like, oh, they're going to take me for granted. And I, I can, I can kind of sprint. So... I think that, uh, yeah, I, I think that he has been able to rely on that a little bit, even even last year when he was kind of mixing it up in, in some of these groups. I I have a feeling uh, his days of relying on people not giving him his, his due for what he can do in a sprint or anywhere else on the court uh, may, may be quickly ending. Yeah, especially after day two. 
which let's talk about that. So, little different. You talked to him. Little, uh, little different strategy. So, uh, so you know, you talked about Anton being a little frustrated that he's getting pressure from his team and that he hasn't won, and he thinks he's the strongest guy out there, and he should be, he should be winning. You know, he felt like he was uh, stronger than Loris, and you know, just unlucky. And then Vincent was able to take advantage of him, and just, just I think really, really frustrated. And uh, oh, before I go on, Loris was not a factor in the first day. I think he's 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 said that I don't know if you talked to him Zach. He said that he wasn't feeling 100% like this whole trip and without knowing any better I'm going to assume he didn't take the start on Sunday cuz he just wasn't wasn't feeling 100%. That is my guess. Did you talk to him at all? I did not. Uh, I don't think he took the start on Sunday, although I overheard some of the younger riders talking that he flew back to Switzerland, but he might be flying back for the World Cup. And they were kind of like, what? Yeah. <laughs> this is kind of weird. <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, he, nice he can do it two weeks at home. He was kind of a non-factor, I think, the last two weeks. It was like... Um, definitely a non-factor on Saturday and then did not take the start on Sunday. Um, it was hot on Sunday. Be very cliche. Uh, th- there's, there's a, there's a, there's a guy at Tubfile who does college basketball, Mark Titus, and he has this bit where it, it's, you're required to say for any January, February game, it's cold outside, but the basketball action is heating up here in the arena. And, you know, I'm going to do it. It was hot outside, and the action on the cyclocross course was heating up from the opening gun. Yeah, and, and what I was going to say, you know, uh, Anton was feeling this pressure from his team. Uh, Strohmeyer was feeling zero pressure from his team. The only pressure that he was feeling was from himself in not being able to figure out how to how to win these races. And coming into Sunday, I know he talked to you about this. He was like, all right, everything else I've tried hasn't worked. He's getting all of this free advice from everyone at the venue, from people on TV, commentating from people in Europe, in his DMs. Everybody's, you know, explaining to him about what he needs to do to win these races. Uh, The plan that he had coming into Sunday was basically, we're we're just going to, it's a, to channel Zach Schuster, we're going to YOLO this. <laughs> <laughs> I just posted up and celebrated because Bill did that. Just FYI. Yeah, I mean, he... Uh, it, it wasn't just him, though. Everyone was just going bonkers at the start of this race. Like, I think, you know, Funston started out fast, then Ferdinand got a gap, and then Strohmeyer was like, I'm going to YOLO attack. But, you know, to talking to him, it he's a really interesting kid. Like, he's, you know, 20 years old or 21. I'm sorry, he's 21. Um, but you talk to him, and he's really faced this interesting puzzle, right, of how to, how to win a race, and he's very cognizant of his abilities and he kept saying he's like i've tried you know two different ways of winning and same result three different ways of winning and the same result and i think he kind of realized that he's not going to win at the end of a race when it gets argy bargy when people are taking up space when positioning is super important and he's like i gotta come up with something new and why not just as bill would say yolo and attack like I, it was lap two or three and he got a really sizable gap like people were like dang this is legit 
Anton dropped his chain, I think, that allowed Stroh's move to, to work, right? If I'm, I'm reading my notes correctly. And then, then Stroh's off the front. He's got that gap, and then he hits it. And they, or he, he, he goes all in on it. He got to the, he was able to get to the mansion. He was able to get to the, to the first part of the mansion hill first. It goes backwards this day, but the, the key part was that once you do the, the little off camera section, you dip back down. And then for us mortals in the world, you have this big run up and then you got to remount and, and uh, ride across the mansion hill. However, for uh, the front of the women's race and and the front of the men's race, uh, if you have a clean look at it, you can ride that hill. And that's I think that was key in that Andrew was able uh, on that lap that he was able to get a gap. He had a really clean shot, kind of shot up there ahead, and there was a little bit. I think that they actually there was some. Um, touch of wheels on the off camera before they even got to that and that sort of held up the whole field and then he was able to to get that gap to start with and then just went all in yeah and then poof he pulled the plug <laughs> so well, after how many how many laps does he because he had about a 20 second gap is that correct or was that giving him too much that was the I think it's a. It was probably about like ten to fifteen, maybe, but like still pretty sizable. So he attacked in lap two, and he pulled the plug early lap four. There were nine yeah, laps. So it was about a lap because he he put in he put in like a crazy fast lap, lap three with like six forty one or whatever. It was the fastest lap, um, and that was where Anton is like the only one who was chasing. But yeah, I mean that. So like Bill, we talked about this in the green room. It's like he 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 gets the gap, and it's like I gotta commit. And he's committing, but then like there is that you know you you I think we've been there like you sort of are out there and you're like okay I either go all in and die trying or maybe I swallow a little bit of pride and kind of like slow up a bit and try again like let's reshuffle the deck I'm gonna take myself off the front which is a hard thing to do but I think that's like that shows a little maturity to make that kind of decision. Well, even more than that, I think he was even a more a little more um, tactical about it. Where just talking to him, the, the great thing about Charm City and most of cyclocross, it's not just Charm City specific. On most of these courses, it's really easy to see where everyone else is. It's really easy to check in on, do your self assessment of gaps. And he was kind of doing the math in his head. And he was like, well, after a lap, those guys kind of were doing my, my pace. Like we were all doing the same pace. I was just 10 seconds ahead of them. And he was like this, you know, he kind of did the, did the, did the winning math there. And he was like, this is not a winning move and decided to sort of ease up a little and let those guys come back and, and race as a group again. But, uh, Zach, maybe, maybe ease up a little too much after that, uh, 30 minute mark. Yeah, it was funny. I was thinking, um, for doing this race report. So, I mean, long story short, like Curtis White eventually gets back to the front and Curtis puts in an attack and Strohmeyer is like 10 seconds off the back. <laughs> We're just like, oh man. And this is this is too fitting. So I was at my brother's right in this report, and I do my bit, and I just commit to like my story for it. And we're watching. It's got season two of The Wire on, 
uh, with the scene at the prison with D'Angelo <laughs> where he's talking about the great Gatsby and there being no second acts in American life. And they're talking about that. And I was like, oh man, this is, could have been the most cliche lead in to a story because you Google the quote and the first story that comes up is the cliche thing. There are no second acts in American life. Those folks haven't met Andrew Strohmeyer in the last third of Sunday's race at Charm City. <laughs> but, but so let's, I want to talk about, I mean, I feel like everybody else who's listening to this podcast wants like this is they're coming they're tuning in for this part. This is what happens. The chat. The the chat between Vinny and Andrew where they're... Yeah? Or when did you, the chat occur? So, like, people were asking, like, wh- what about the chat? I'm like, I was out on the course taking photos and, like, five. running around. Like, I don't have... I need, Start like, a live stream five. helmet to, you know, like... I need some Google Glass. How many laps were in the race? Nine. Uh, ten? I think it was nine. Or nine. Okay. Right, so sorry. yeah, start a lap five. Um, they're coming back through the finish. Andrew, uh, sorry, Vinny kind of rides up to. So Andrew, Andrew was able. I mean, long story short, Andrew was able to close down that gap again. Started racing. I think he had kind of like been. He was sort of going through a little bit. Like, what do I do now? Do I just pull the plug or do I just go? And uh, thankfully, he made the decision to 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 give it another shot. Hence the second act, <laughs> and uh, was able to to close close that gap, get back up there, and then once he's there, you know, just just racing like Strohmeyer races and and putting in moves and that kind of stuff, and then so I guess him and Vinny were the ones who were able to separate themselves a little bit at that point. Is that what happened? Well, the the chat happens when they're all together. Okay. So yeah, I didn't see the chat. I don't know. I just I just am getting text from like people. You got a text me from me, ask. Bill. You got a text from me. I texted you because <laughs> you were the only one. But yes, yeah. yeah no, I know. I'm saying. <laughs> well, the, so the group had come back together, and Vinny comes up to Andrew and, and kind of puts his arm on his shoulder to start finish. Says something we don't know. The the commentators are speculating. Everybody's speculating. I'm just, all I'm saying is I'm thinking back to the the public the bulletin post where. People are commenting about Strohmeyer, and Vincent is replying and saying, that kid, rainbow emoji, let me teach him a few things, like he's going to be, he's going to win races, right? So, you, so when I see that, what the thing that goes to my head is that, like, Vincent has now realized that Strohmeyer is the strongest guy in the field, or the one that he's the most worried about in terms of racing against, and... I speculate, and I think a lot of people saw that, and they think of the thing as like, hey, you know, we're going to fight it out. We're going to race each other. But at this point, if I attack or if you attack, we each get one shot, like, I won't chase you back. That's kind of what I assumed was said. And I think looking at some of the way these things played out in the end, I kind of think that's what was happened. And I know that, Bill, you asked him, afterwards and, and he he just said that i told andrew he's a he's a great bike racer and like sure that's kind of that's in my mind it's like he's respect he that's what he said by he respecting him and saying you're the one who i actually want to sort of make a deal or quote unquote, don't say deal because i don't want it to sound like it's a it's scandalous but like you're the guy who i need to talk to and reach some sort of like uh, 
situation with because you have you're who I'm worried about. That's I I, I will. I don't know. I don't know. I I. I didn't ask Andrew. I asked Vinny. He didn't really say it. So I, I have zero inside information about this. I, but I will say the, the part that just being involved with the CXD Trek Bikes team and being and, and wanting to see Andrew succeed and knowing how hard he has work to get to this point the part that yes got the hair on my neck up a little bit and got me a little annoyed was just people saying oh they made a deal they made a deal they made a deal i'm getting texts sorry guys from the commentators saying or from the from the director saying they're talking on the air about them making a deal ask ask them about what was said between them and i i I have no context for this i'm running around trying to shoot this race and getting this text about what to ask in my post-race interviews going in completely blind so when i asked that question to vincent i didn't know what the context really was because i i have no idea i i haven't watched the race but it's like, this is freaking C2 cyclocross. Like, deal to me is like v- Vinokurov buying a race. That's a deal. You know, this isn't a deal. The, the, if, they are, if they are just coming to some sort of detente, fine, whatever. But, I, you know, but I, I also, with like five laps to go in this race... What does this get you? I mean, you know, maybe for Vinny, he's like just trying to play it smart. Okay, I can get this guy out of the game and then maybe I can go make some agreements with other people. I don't know. But again, that's it. I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows what they were talking about. Maybe Vinny was like, hey, Magali keeps saying there's nowhere to eat around here. Tell me where to go. Maybe I need to come up to Mount Airy. Are there any restaurants in Mount Airy? You edit. No, you can edit this out later. I think I actually know what happened. Uh, so this was Vincent. I'm, I'm watching this and as we're sitting here. This was Vincent Bastan's last race in America ever. Uh, and he's made a lot of fans. Like, it was funny. I had to wait to interview him because a fan was, you know, a dad and his kid were like, we love you. Thank you so much for all of the, that you're doing or whatever. He talks to Strohmeyer. Strohmeyer's on the front and Vincent makes his one last attack. I literally think he told him that he was going to attack and let me have my moment. I don't think there was a deal made. Vincent's attack was not going anywhere, but like go watch with that context. And maybe that's what happened. Cause Vincent put in one last glorious attack. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I kind of seems like that might've been what happened. Zach. I like that. I, 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 Put thinking about the race and, and how because he attacks, Vincent attacks, and the race comes back together, right? And then at some point, Andrew's off the back, um, and it's white and it's Bastain's off the front, and 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 or Anton crashes, and sort of Andrew's able to get back with him and they get back together, right? So a lot of things happened after that chat. Um, but Zach, I really like this. Theory. It wasn't going to be a winning move. It was five and you know, Vincent has a lot of fans. He was talking about everyone cheering for him. This really just looks like one last glorious. Let me have everyone yell my name one last time and put like a little hurrah. I mean, it was like with five laps to go. What's that movie? Um, Marky Mark was playing the guy who tries out the invincible, tried the gang. The gang tries out for the Philadelphia Eagles did a spoof on it. 
I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm thinking of Rudy, the Notre Dame football. No, film. there was definitely there was definitely an Eagles kicker walk on type yeah. thing yeah. as well. Yeah, but it's just like yeah, let me have the moment. Let put him in for the play. Yeah, all right. Again, we have no idea what happened, uh, but it does kind of set up the end of this race. Strohmeyer looks like he's being left for dead at one point on this, fights his way back, is able to do what he's done every other week and kind of animate the race a few times from the front and is able to get a gap, a little bit of a gap, which becomes a little bigger of a gap. And then I think the true drama begins, and I don't know what kind of agreement could have precipitated you know, what happened behind. Maybe, maybe if it was like Vinny was like, I'm not chasing that guy down. You know, he let me go do my thing. You guys go get him. Even if that's the case, it doesn't look like anybody else was really motivated to, to chase back Andrew either. I mean, it was, it was, it was a stalemate, right? I mean, that was the thing. It was, it was, it was, it's, it's the perfect, that's how the break happens in road racing, right? Or that's, that's the, that's the last three K move you're trying to make when you're coming to the finish with four or five people in a road race is that you are, you're timing your attack. And this is sort of like you, you, do, you attack when the strongest guy pulls off the front has done his pull, right? Because that's the main guy who would chase you back. So you attack when they're tired, right? So you're sort of, that's sort of, that's, essentially showing respect to the strongest guy because you have to attack when he's the weakest and then you're hoping that that you just get that slight gap hesitation where no one else wants to make the first move and then you get a gap and your gap can balloon because the hesitation has now made the gap go bigger and the the sacrifice for trying to close that gap down is bigger for all the folks behind and now it really becomes a situation where no one wants to do anything. And we have a big game of breakaway chicken going and shout out Cosmo. And yeah, Stro and so this is what I was I was saying to you in the green room is like you have to be ready for the opportunity. And that opportunity presented itself because of the type of racer that Andrew is and what he's been doing. As you said, Zach, he's tried many different ways. And he's it's like it's like the T-Rex in Jurassic Park, man testing all the systems until he finds it out at one point and then breaks through the fence. And, and that's what show did in Baltimore. And I think it was, I think it was great. I think it was exciting to see Andrew come through the wind because I remember him winning nationals, right? As a kid. I mean, he's as a child, you know, he's, it was a child. He was a kid and him merch, you know, it, the thing with the juniors, right? Like you sort of mature different, speeds and levels and like it takes time and he's like he's got it and this season he's been super dynamic in his racing and it's been a pleasure to watch and of course you know i'm gonna be a bit of a homer because he's a cxd rider and you know i do a podcast with some guy who makes some cool videos for that team and you know i see what you and chris and are doing and so yeah just as a fan over here it, it was it was great to see that was that was an exciting race long rant <laughs> Believe me, I, I think it was it's kind of funny because it's it's when we started this season and again, I am like, well, I'm not really paid, uh, but uh, <laughs> for, for this team because I'm kind of 
you know, on the other side of that, but, uh, I'm a cheerleader for all of them. I, I, I admit it, you know, we can be in here and it's fine. I don't think I'm hiding anything that I, I want to see all of the, the riders. I want, honestly, and this isn't bullshit. Honestly, I want to see all of these junior riders do well. And I'm stoked for all of them that, that are excelling. Same with the U23s. I'm even a bigger cheerleader for them. I want it, I want us to get to a point where we can have more than one or two elites that want to make cyclocross a thing in their life at, at the top level and, and commit to it as a job. I mean, I think we were there at one point, we can get back there, but just seeing what's going on below and coming up, I think is, is, is really exciting. And, and Andrew is, is, is that success story. I mean, it's the kind of guy that, you know, there are people from his coach, Mike Berner, who's known him since he was, six, seven, eight years old, whatever, who's been working with him his whole life. This is, this is huge. I mean, they, they, and then his dad and his family and everything. And then, you know, we're there to able to kind of just help him along to, to do what he wants to do as, as a career. So it was, it was, it was amazing to see him win this race, but it was, the, it's the type of thing is in the same way that Roanoke where people were like, well, were you surprised he was up there and all of us. And it wasn't like, cockiness we're like no not really you know we we expected him to be in this place it's awesome that he has able to you know do it not everybody does and that's fine too but he did and so this was going to happen eventually and so it was more like sweet we did this you did this we you know we had our part in just supporting you in it and now now on to the next thing but but not to take away uh, biggest race win uh, of the guy's career. You know, he's won multiple national championships. He's won Pan Am championships. But this this definitely, you know, as a U23 race, racer winning an elite UCI race is against great competition is, is huge. Uh, one little story, because I put up the video of, of him finishing and – Right at the very beginning, and I, I started it after this happened, and I, I was just scrolling through, scrubbing through some video this evening to do some other projects, and I, I noticed that he's kind of like tapping his bike, and at first I thought he had like, like a, a water bottle that he was putting back in his bike, but it turns out he's just like tapping his top tube, and I, I texted him, I was like, hey, what what was going on there? Is there anything behind that or just, and he was like, yeah, I got a uh, ride for Magnus sticker on my top tube. And I, I, I thought that was just a, a nice moment that he was able to have before celebrating the win. And I, I you know, top notch kid. And I just thought that was really classy the way that he did that before he got to the crowd and then, then was able to celebrate. So that was, that was really nice as well. So you guys said it all, it, truly, honestly. Um, and I kind of, can I be a little lighthearted? <laughs> okay. Because um, I know, yeah, I mean, I think it's with us, you know, Magnus's lack of not being with us anymore. And it's really awesome. And I think I've, I've talked about this. It speaks to like the bonds that these these athletes are building with one another. And I really hope that that contributes to success over the long term. Um, but we've had some questions about the nickname for Andrew Strohmeyer. 
Um, so, you know, Bill, you're all in on the big dig. And I feel like, you know, I've been doing that part. But I also like Strotime from Bodhi. So my proposal, which I think has been evident in my social posts and my race write-ups, Strotime is when he does cool shit. And even the race. I mean, you see people on Twitter who are excited for these races. The people who are excited to watch Andrew Strohmeyer in these races already. Like, literally, you know, the elite men's race is Strotime, but he's still the big dig. Are we okay with this? I'm, I'm going with it, Bodie. Yeah, no, I, I like the way you've been using both. And I I mean, I think that the big dig can give us Strotime, you know? Or, you know, Strotime will do a big dig. So, I mean, like, I think they both work. Okay, I just... I like it. I like the melding and that there was a way to integrate these with, with one another and they're distinct. So also I learned today, you can uh, dial 811 for the, the big dig hotline. <laughs> there's a, and, and there's a, uh, if you are on Instagram, there's a gif. Yeah. That's big dig, but then it's like some excavator company. That was so good. I was going to comment on that. That was so brilliantly done. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I was just watching the video and I was like, yes, perfect. Yeah. Just one one more little bit on 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 Strohmeyer, especially just on on Charm City. Uh, the uh, Jay Lazar, who is one of the promoters, along with Chris Auer. It was like, I got to get shirts made that say Charm City where legends are made and dragons are slayed, which uh, Andrew then used used in his post. And I was looking back on it and I was like, there, there are two races that I think really stick out that were name makers that happened at Charm City previous to this one. Uh, the, the one that, and I've talked about it in the past, it was, I, I think, one of the it was in the final year that I was announcing bigger races. I think it was a, and uh, it's 2013, and Stephen Hyde, up and coming Stephen Hyde, beat Jonathan Page in one of the most epic last laps at Charm City, and it really came down to the course. So Zach the where that guy's living in that abandoned house. The course used to be on that side as well. So you would go, you would climb up to the top where the registration pavilion was, go through some sand, go over this planter that was around this tree, and then scream back down that hill, do a U-turn at the bottom, and then sprint up the, the same sprint that we had before. Each of those guys were putting each other into the tape for the whole last half of a lap. Like everybody was dive bombing for the inside stake and nobody was giving an inch. And they were basically riding each other's shoulders around that last U-turn and Hyde was able to come out ahead and just out sprint Paige and take the win. And it was just to this day, one of the most exciting races that I've seen, and I think one of the biggest wins at that point, the biggest win for for Stephen Hyde. It really was one that that put him on the map. the The other one that I think about is 2017, the year of Tobin, and 
this was when, uh, I mean, he, I remember because after the race, I called him an underdog and he got upset at me and he was like, I'm not an underdog. I'm a U23 champ. I, you know, I, I, I'm just as good as these guys. You just don't know anybody on the West coast. He, he was just, uh, uh, um, accusing me of East coast bias. I completely accepted the accusation. Yes, sir. <laughs> it is true. Uh, but he, he showed up. And this is like, if you've listened to this podcast and maybe you've come into it in the last couple of years and you hear about us talking about 2017 Tobin sometimes and how that is kind of our dream to want to see that again, especially right now, Tobin, because we know you are super strong out there, like pulling Keegan Swenson around for an hour. That's it. That's that hour we need you back in cyclocross. But 2017, he came in here with just... So much bravado, was able to back it up, takes out n- not only Stephen High, but also Jeremy Powers in a last lap, outsprints both of them and takes the win. I mean, again, one of the best races I think I've seen in cyclocross. So in my top 10 now with this Strohmeyer win, I may have three of the best races that I've seen all happening at that park. So I think there, there is something something special about Charm City and just its ability to for for these great memories and and just to 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 make the uh the the biggest players of the sport that we then follow for years. One last little cool tie-in with that is Andrew Strohmeyer's first Charm City was in 2015 and he actually remembered watching Curtis White win there. So that's kind of a cool, you know, 8 years later beating him at that race, but he remembers that he saw Curtis White race at Charm City. I mean, I think that's one of the cool things about this race in Roanoke is that you know, they're all, they're kind of both mad. Is, is Roanoke considered Babra territory or am I like kind of stretching it? Would I get, would I get yelled at for calling that like a de facto Mabra race? Uh, Frank Deal, who probably is listening, would be more than happy for you to include <laughs> him in Mabra. He would, he would embrace it with both arms because I think we have more population and stuff. But that being said, uh, Virginia CX is a, amazing community great races they have a ton of races so they are they are not technically mabra they are they are in the uh virginia region okay but these two races are like where andrew strohmeyer grew up so like to have that happen in roanoke where it's like i've arrived and then for him to win i mean everybody was going nuts like we were like man because we were talking bill we were like there's going to be no one at the finish of the elite men's race. It's going to be boring. And everyone, I just see, I'm running over there and everyone's just sprinting to get to the the barriers. I mean, there are a lot of people still there, but everyone was just going nuts and yelling for him and, you know, folks yelling the big dig and cheering for Strohmeyer and stuff. And it was just like, I don't know. I mean, to me, it, it had to be extra cool for him to have that big moment happen at basically his home race that he's been doing for eight years. Yeah, and that truly is his being a Maryland kid. That truly is his his home race, and and to to bring it to golf, Bodie, Charm City, just the way it's set up and how easy it is to get around has an Augusta feel to it, where the gallery will follow you from feature to feature. So yeah, Zach and I were a little concerned, yet they were all over at the flyover because they knew they could see that still walk across the field and be at the finish before everybody got there. So it, it is kind of cool that it has that sort of 
you know, we'd love to have every place on the course lined with fans, but the the reality is there's only so many, a lot, but they were they were moving en masse to be able they're you know, they're they're educated cyclocross watchers, so they knew where to go to see the action and then knew that they could still get to the finish in time. So it, it, it made for a great scene there as well. Yeah, and it's a really good course for that. We talk about I mean, we remember the video that you did where you basically live stream or you create a video of the race with two cameras uh but yeah they were all kind of at the top of the hill and you could see all the way out to mansion hill there was a cool moment i saw when you were over there there were a bunch of people on sunday on mansion hill with the alien (laughs) and the other thing and i was like by the time i got over there the alien had bailed and i was like ah darn it i don't have a cool photo but i know that i saw that you were over there um but it was it was like that because you could see them in the first part of the lap you could see them come up over the flyover, cheer, go crazy, and they go in the twisties in the woods. But then they come back later, so you can still just stay there and start cheering again. So I think it's just I, – I, we talked about this, Bill, that it's not as big as it used to. But both in 2021 and 2023, I've come away being like, God damn, that's a great race and a great scene. And it only makes me wish that I had been there earlier. But even how it is, it feels bigger than the number of people that are there. Well, and the thing is that – I guess we should take away some encouragement in that the number of people racing is still at a at a high level and I think growing again. So that's pretty awesome. Where we lost out a little bit is I think the hardcore cyclocross fans who want to come out and watch this, and they do exist in, in the Mid-Atlantic area. We had an enormous conflict this weekend. You know, we had a, a con. I had a conflict. I I would not miss Charm City for the world, but at the same time, it killed me not to be in snowshoe for that World Cup mountain bike race. It's not very far away, and I think a lot of people who would have been out there would have been cheering at Charm City were in West Virginia at the World Cup race, and they get a pass. That's okay, because that's an amazing event to go to as well. And, you know, I want people going to those too, because I don't want that to go away. There's too much bike racing right now. Uh, you know, like I, there's also road, road racing still happening. Uh, there was wow. rad, there was rad dirt. There was a huge lifetime Grand Prix that took, yeah. you know, that, that athletes had to make a choice what to do. I, I, I think I gave Tobin a hard time that he wasn't here before, but I think that without rad dirt happening, I think Lance is here. I think Tobin's here. I think we're getting those athletes. I, I this is not, I completely understand what they're doing and they, they are making the right decision for their career. Selfishly. I know all of us right sitting right here, wish they were racing in Druid Hill Park. I just want to, I don't want to make sure we don't leave any good bit unturned. So, Zach, is it fair to say Stroh Time put down a statement race? Are we there? I don't think he need to. I don't think he needed to. I think he just needed to win a race. I think he needed to. <laughs> That's not a statement. That's not a, I don't think it was. You know, I, I like this. I like I like that Zach is, is saying now, that, hey, hey, big man, there's still a statement to be made somewhere else. <laughs> I don't think it was. And I mean, if you look at him after the race, I thought he was going to be like, you know, we're going to the shoot, right? And this thing, you know, like we go to the shoot and we all kind of held because we knew there was going to be a sprint. So we no one went right away. I'm walking down there and you thought maybe he'd be going crazy and hugging all of his family and stuff. He's just kind of hanging out. He's like, I did it. 
this isn't my goal, <laughs> you know, like I'm glad that I solved this, this, you know, this puzzle. I'm glad I solved this puzzle and figured out how to win a race. Um, but I think Strohmeyer's got his sights set way, way higher. Uh, I don't think, I don't think it is like, uh, that, that is actually a great segue, Bodie. Uh, looking ahead to this weekend, we've got Major Taylor. We're, we haven't seen Bruner yet. We, we know nothing. No one knows, you know, no one knows what's up with Eric Bruner. Literally no one. I mean, he's been doing the lifetime stuff. He hasn't been doing super the best. Bruner hasn't raced yet. Yeah, he's been beating Curtis White, but I don't, Curtis will be the first one to tell you that he's not on his best form. I think that we're going to see better form from Curtis as the season goes along. Um, so I just, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready to make that proclamation uh, at this point, but I think it'll be an, a good weekend at Major Taylor. Uh, we've got some names. We've got some Bodie names. Uh, I believe our man, our newest Bodie guy, David Haverdings <laughs> is going to be racing at Major Taylor. But yeah. the original, the ultimate. Bodie man. The foundational, the seminal statement. <laughs> man and Backer's going to be there. Yes, Man and Backer's going to be there. But guess what? Okay, so two things about Man and Backer going to uh, Major Taylor. One, this is came out a few weeks ago but she's going to be in the states with her family in the minivan traveling around the midwest to bike races love to make that short doc manon you have your people call my people let's make a movie the belgians in the northwest i want to get in the minivan with your, your mom and dad um second zoe backstead's also going to be at major taylor so i had to pull up the manon versus zoe head to head overall manon has the lead, but if you look back at last year, Zoe has uh, finished ahead of her six time to Manon's three. So I don't know. Could be pretty fun. See, uh, I mean, when's the last time we've seen Zoe race cross? Uh, this has got to be her first uh, race since last year. So, um, what's well, is the first time we're gonna? The last time we've seen her in person was when she was winning Fayetteville Worlds. I mean, so for most of us here in America. Right. Yeah. Last time she raced was world championships. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm there's, I would say I'm excited to watch it, but I'm not going to be there and I don't think it's live streamed. So peep those reels on Bill's Instagram account. <laughs> TBD if Bill's going to be there. I think Zach's going to we'll be see. there. Zach will be there. Zach. All right. Bring us the Dax, coverage. Dax, Dax going to have to learn, relearn where that video button is on his phone. <laughs> photo, photo, like, <laughs> yeah, just attach it to the top. Oh, okay. Well, clip. we had a we had a rough weekend. The uh, I had a rough I had a rough Sunday. I'm not going to lie. One of my cameras is going into the uh, is going into the the shop tomorrow. So, um, but yeah. I also before we forget, before we wrap up, I said I would do it. Um, if you haven't been to these races, everyone is so friendly, Bill, you have an amazing scene, like in that area, everyone was so friendly and helpful. I talked to Russ, uh, he was just 
giving me flutters. He was just hooking me up with LaCroix while I was doing these race reports. And I told him uh, he would do, I would do a shout out. Also, the man had a great sweater on. I am a sweater guy. We're coming up. It's still 80 here in Chicago today, but we're coming up on sweater weather, which is my favorite season of the year because, mostly because of cyclocross, but also I love sweaters. Russ rocked a great sweater and I really appreciate his hospitality. Amazing. All right. I, I We did a lot. I, I, I think if we didn't do it now, we can do it on the next one which which will be interesting yeah zach will be should be at the uh major taylor race in indianapolis um i'm gonna make a late week decision on whether i go out there but then right after that we got the the world cup so lots to look forward to and uh we'll talk to you all soon